Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. So we're in Titus chapter 2, and we're going to continue the verse-by-verse teaching. Uh, Titus 2, 11 through 15. So go ahead and locate that text. Titus 2, and let's pray one more time. Father, we are here to honor you. That's really why we come to church. We could talk about all kinds of reasons. We get fed, we get to enjoy fellowship. Maybe we even have a donut. But in the end, Lord, we're here because you are worthy of our honor, worthy of our time, worthy of our service, worthy for us to live a godly life for the grace that we've experienced. And we're grateful that one of the responses that we can have to grace is godliness, a God-centered life, a God-dominated life. That is a decision that we make every day, every moment of every day. We are called to surrender and to allow your life, your grace, your message, your doctrine to be so part of us that it comes out in who we are. It doesn't have to be forced. It just needs to be the power of God through a yielded life. The Apostle Paul pictures this life as one who wears clothing, the clothing of Christ, the armor of light. And I pray, Father, that whatever we have dragged into this place today would fall away in the grandeur of your beauty and the power of your grace. We lay this time at your feet, pray that you would lead it by your Holy Spirit, take us where you want us to go. Open our ears to your truth and your word. We pray in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Amen. All right, Titus 2, the school of grace. So we are in a a book that we have called as a theme, Grace and Godliness. And that's how the order goes. Grace comes first, godliness follows. And this particular message is called The School of Grace. We're just going to go to the end of chapter 2 this morning, The School of Grace. Let's pick up verse 11. It says, For the grace of God, Titus 2.11, has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Now, the grace that we've talked about in the past is that beautiful Greek word called charis. It is translated into English, C-H-A-R-I-S, if you're interested, charis, and it's God's benevolence, God's goodness, God's favor. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and Noah was told to build an ark. This is Genesis 6, verse 8, and uh, he found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and he built an ark. And even though Noah had found grace in the eyes of the Lord, he had to still enter the ark, amen? Amen. So you can find grace. The grace of God has appeared to all men. This is not, by the way, a universalistic message or a Bible verse. That's not what Paul is teaching. Paul is saying that the grace of God has made an epiphany into humanity through Jesus Christ. 
Jesus is the grace of God. He is the face of grace, and he has appeared. This is the word epiphany in verse 11. We're gonna see this word twice, and I think what you're gonna find is you're gonna have the first and second comings laid out before us in verse 13. Just skip ahead for a second. We are looking for the blessed hope, the appearing, there's epiphany again, of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus. Second coming there, first coming in verse 11. The grace of God has appeared. It's appeared, notice at the end of verse 11, to all men. Jesus Christ is the light that illumines all of mankind. That light has appeared. The ark has come. The ark of safety. We're invited to come into the ark. All men have an opportunity to come in. But we still have to enter the ark of grace. So Jesus Christ has appeared. Skip over to John chapter one. This is a great explanation of how this works. John chapter one. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at verse five with me. John one. Oh, there's so much good stuff here. Go back to verse four. <laughs> in him, in Jesus Christ, was life, John 1, 4, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it, John 1, 6. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for a witness that he might bear witness of the light, verse 7, that all might believe through him. He, John the Baptist, was not the light, but came that he might bear witness of the light. There was the true light which coming into the world, notice, enlightens every man. He, Jesus, was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him but as many as, here's the action that we need to respond to this appearance of grace, as many as what? Received him, you gotta receive Christ to be saved, to them. He gave the right to become children of God. Even though God's your creator, you're not his child until you come into the ark. You must come into the ark of Christ to become children of God, even to those, notice who, what? Believe, which means trust in his name. Skip ahead to verse 29. John the Baptist, this one who bore witness to the light, says these words. The next day he saw Jesus, John 129, coming to him, and he said, behold, or look, we would say, look, the Lamb of God. Here is the epiphany. He appeared. Look, there's the Lamb of God who does what? He takes away the sin of the world. And you could say the rest of the Gospel of John, if you turn back to Titus, is the revealing of this light. And the people who first met him telling brothers and others, hey, we found the Messiah. Come and see, come and see, come and see. This is what the church does. We tell people about the grace that we've experienced. We tell them about Jesus. He has appeared in the very history in which we live, Jesus Christ appeared. Even liberal scholars do not deny his historicity. They say, yeah, Jesus lived. Now, you have to determine what you believe about Jesus and who he is. I don't think it's hard to figure out, by the way. All you have to do is read the Bible. 
And the Bible will tell you who Jesus is. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. The offer of salvation is available to everyone, but we must enter, to enter the ark. In the Hebrew picture language, the Old Testament word for grace, sometimes translated favor, is defined this way by Dr. Seekins. He says it could be defined as to fence or protect life, grace. What does grace protect us from? Judgment. Because when Noah got on the ark, the ark, which becomes a type of Christ, protected him from what? Judgment. And that's what Jesus does. That's what grace does. Jesus took our judgment at the cross. He defeated death through the resurrection. And that salvation has appeared. The offer comes to all people. 1 Timothy 2, 4 through 6 says, God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, that is the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony born at the proper time. Grace has appeared. And now we have a responsibility. One is that we believe in the grace, we receive the finished work of Jesus Christ, and when we do, Romans 3.24 says we are justified. Now that we have received Christ, we are declared righteous in the courtroom of Almighty God. He no longer sees us in our sin, he sees us clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And even though that is true now, and that is a, that is a free gift of God, we still now have to respond to grace. And the second part of what we've been talking about, if you look up at the slide for a second, is that the response to grace is a life of godliness. So we're saved completely by grace, clothed with Christ. This is our positional reality. But now practically, we are to become what we are positionally. Righteous in the eyes of God. Now we want to be practically righteous. This is the correct response to grace. You don't get saved by grace and then say, thanks God, now I'm moving on with my normal everyday life. Now grace changes everything. Everything. Hasn't that happened for you? My life now becomes a life of a story of grace. The blind man says, once I was blind, now I see. His light has flooded my life. It's not just a little change in my life. It's changed everything. There's uh, missions that help the homeless, and they have what's called a delousing room, where many destitute and homeless people will, who have not had a bath for months discard their old clothes, and they are thoroughly bathed and disinfected. The old clothes that cannot be salvaged are burned, and new clothes are issued the cleaned up person is provided with clean clothes and that's what happens to us. We are clothed in the Lord Jesus Christ but now we make a decision every single day and it's captured in many different ways in the New Testament. It's to put on the armor of God. It's to put on the new man. It's to put on the armor of light. Now we are people of light. Once we lived in darkness, now we are what? Light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. This is the response to grace. 
Grace is a beautiful thing. You can't earn it. We don't deserve it. We can't add one thing to the finished work of Christ. But now that we are light in the Lord, we're to walk out who we are. This is Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. We've been over it. For it is by grace that we have been saved through faith that is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not by work so that no one, what? Should boast. But we are his workmanship, his work of art, and we are to walk in the good works that he's prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's Mike Massaro, and you're listening to Living Truth Radio with Pastor Michael Lance. And we'll get back to the teaching in about 30 seconds. But I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available. It's Pastor Michael's book, Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's about spiritual warfare, how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. The special offer is, if you go to livingtruthradio.org, that's livingtruthradio.org, and click on the Donate button, for any donation, we'll send you a copy of that book. Just make sure you tell us in the contact form that you'd like the book. Now, back to Pastor Michael. We're to walk out the reality of who we are. That should be something that just should be the natural excitement of a Christian, don't you think? And this is why sometimes when we look at people, we, we wonder, well, have you been touched by grace if you can continue to live in darkness? And we all know that sanctification, after we get saved, takes time, right? It seems like we're in a constant time of dealing with cleansing and renewal. And there are times when we are certainly baby Christians and we have to grow up and all of that. But now we move from what we would call doctrine, who we are, to duty. Or in this case, duty to doctrine. I'll explain that in a second. We are adorned with the doctrines. Look back for a second at verse 10 in Titus 2. After that long list of all the different things we should do, which addresses older women, younger women, it addresses young men and older men, Everybody, Pastor Chris, I'm so glad he had to preach that message last Sunday because it's kind of the way I set things up. I, I ask him to preach on controversial texts. So if people are going to get mad, they get mad at Pastor Chris. I even get out, give out his email. Um, but when he came to the end of that section, he, he shared these words, verse 10, not pilfering, but showing all good faith that they, that is, believers may adorn, see that word adorn, that's the idea of clothing, the doctrine of God, our Savior, in how many ways? In every respect, in all ways, we are to wear the doctrine of grace. People say, a man or a woman, the clothing makes the man, right? Well, as a Christian, the clothing that we now wear is the clothing of grace, and that should be evident in our actions. That's what verses 1 through 10 are all about. How we live shows who we are. We wear, if you will, the garments of grace. The word adorn here is a Greek word that speaks of an ordered life. It speaks of adornment and it speaks of a beauty and a grace. Sometimes we describe beautiful people as people who are people of grace. The church is a beautiful representation of the grace of God. We are all trophies of grace, amen? So whenever you share your story, I would just start right there. I would start with grace. Begin and end with grace because that's the only reason why I'm standing here and you're sitting there, amen? 
is because the grace of God has appeared. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. New, New King James, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all of us, NIV. It has made an epiphany. Jesus Christ has come. The grace of God has come. By the way, God's always been a God of grace. He doesn't change. But grace and truth were realized through the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace made an epiphany, but God has always been a God of grace. He's always been filled with hased, which is the loving kindness of the loyal love of God. But grace expressed itself in history in Jesus Christ. By the way, he's coming again. Grace made an appearance in the very history in which we live. And it was only really about three years or three and a half years that his public ministry went forth. And think of all the things that he packed into those three years. Think of how many lives he touched. Think of how many people he healed. Think of the gracious words that fell from his lips time and time again. Grace has made an appearance. And this is uh, Hebrews 9, verse 11. It says, when Christ appeared, Hebrews 9, I'm reading 11 and 12, as a high priest of the good things to come. Why don't you flip over to Hebrews 9. When Christ appeared as the high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation. Hebrews 9, a little bit to your right. Look at verse 12. Hebrews 9, verse 12. And not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood, he entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. Skip down to verse 25. Hebrews 9, 25. Now, nor was it that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters the holy place year by year with blood not his own. Otherwise, verse 26, he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once, at the consummation of the ages, he, Jesus, has manifested, been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once and after this comes judgment, so Christ, Hebrews 9.28, also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, shall appear, there's our word again, he's gonna make a, an appearance again, a second time, a second epiphany, if you will. A second time for salvation, but this time without, notice, reference to sin. He only died once for sin to those who what? Who are eagerly waiting for him. The second time he appears, this appearance, go back to Titus, will have nothing to do with the payment for sin. That happened once. He died once. He will never die again. Praise God. Never. He doesn't have to suffer over and over again. He paid one sacrifice once for all people, all time for those who will receive him. And when he appears a second time, he's going to come and rescue his people. He is coming for salvation, but in this sense, it's a different kind of salvation. And some of this depends on your eschatological viewpoint. Pastor Michael, I haven't even had my coffee yet. What are you talking about? What does that mean? That means your viewpoint of the last days. And here's my viewpoint. I believe that when Jesus Christ comes, it'll be one second coming, one first coming, one second coming. And when he comes, he's going to rescue his church in a time called the Great Tribulation. 
and he's going to pull the church out, save them, different sense of salvation, and pour his judgment on what? An unbelieving world. This is the second coming, the second epiphany. And when he comes, he says, lift up your heads for your redemption is what? Drawing near. And the world's going to say, oh, oh. And the Christians are going to say, oh, yeah. Amen? Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Saved by grace, kept by grace, he's coming again. But we live in a school of grace. And there's a response to this grace. And here's what grace teaches us. It teaches us godliness. I've said several times in the previous messages A God-centered or God-dominated life is a good definition of godliness. And here's what uh, this grace teaches us. It instructs us. Look at verse 12. Grace is still the subject from verse 11. Grace instructs us to what? To deny ungodliness, the opposite of godliness, obvious, and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. There's a present age and there's an age to come which will be initiated by the second coming of Christ. Grace trains us, ESV, to renounce. The nuance here is to renounce on an ongoing basis ungodliness and worldly passions, NIV. Grace teaches us, verse 12, to say no to ungodliness. Grace is a teacher, All of us are in the school of grace. Now that we've been saved by grace, grace teaches us. And we're in class now for the rest of our lives. And we respond, yes, Mrs. Grace. Good morning, class. Good morning, Mrs. Grace. Grace now instructs us how to live. Grace is our teacher. And so we are to say, as she teaches us, yes. No to ungodliness, but yes to what we should do. I'll talk about the yes in a second. But look at verse 12 again. Grace teaches us, the NIV says, to say no. In the 80s, uh, Nancy Reagan came up with a campaign for the war on drugs. Some of you may remember this if you were around in the 80s. And the campaign was, just say no. Remember? And so she was interviewed on all kinds of programs. And if you look it up on the internet today, some people will say, it didn't work. It didn't help anybody. Drugs are still a terrible epidemic. Oh, they certainly are. But Nancy Reagan was interviewed, and she said, if we could just help one child say no to drugs, then we, have, we will have succeeded. Grace teaches us to say no to certain things. No. It's always a crack up when you uh, have little kids and they say no to you for the first time. (laughs) And it's kind of cute and kind of scary at the same time. You ever been there before? Little Johnny, even before mommy and daddy comes out, no, no. And you're like, where did that kid get that? From you? Because what did you do in the early training of this child? They touch it. (laughs) Now! 
especially things that were on tables that they can get at, right? No, 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 no. Now they say it and you're shocked, right? Where did he get that? Grace teaches us to say no. To what? To things that would hurt us. Now, when a child wants something, let's say you're in the store with the little kid, maybe your child. If it's your grandchild, you just give them whatever they want. Right? Isn't that payback for all grandparents? Go ahead, have the candy. I'm going to send you home in two hours anyway. <laughs> Let them clean it up. <laughs> We're waiting on that time to come. But anyway, so the little kid, if you say, no, you haven't had your dinner yet, you're going to have dinner for, I want your dinner. Have you ever, you ever seen one of these in the store? It's always much more convenient if it's not your child. Then you're like, jeez, what's wrong with those parents? Disaster. Can't you kid your, teach your kids some manners, man? That kid ought to be smacked. <laughs> right? But when it's your own kid, you're like, oh, shoot. Are there any video cameras in here? <laughs> Do you feel like the, the average let's put it this way, church shopper today, you know, they're, they're looking for a fellowship. They, let's say they moved to a new city. Do you think that their number one measurement for a lot of Christians is that they look at a doctrinal statement, for example, or, you know, listen to five different sermons before they even show up? Or is it more about the peripheral stuff? I would have to say that all really depends on the maturity as a Christian. Um, if they're weak in their faith, then they're going to go with the ones that have more social um, interactions. If it's someone who is real uh, grounded in the word, then they are going to be more particular. Otherwise, if there's really nothing in the area, they're just going to have to settle for what's best. And sometimes people don't know what they're looking for, Oscar. Right. So this is where we can be helpful. And we would say, I would say, look, look for a place that is serious about teaching the Bible in an expository fashion. What do you mean, Pastor Michael? I mean, they take sections of scripture and actually use the text to determine where they're going. Not they come up with an idea and then try to support it with, you know, seven different Bible texts from seven different books. Like today's topic is, or this, yes, these series are. Now there's not uh, topical preaching can be fine. As long as the text is taught faithfully. But today, the popular thing, Oscar, is serious teaching. And, and I'm not even going to bag on that because that could be profitable as long as within the series, the text is being faithfully exposited. Yes. But if it is not, and it's basically a packaged sermon with, you know, very little time spent in the text, digging out the text, taking parallel scriptures, looking at the background and the history application, then all you're really getting is... <sighs> What, I don't even know. What, 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 what Happy you feel say? good. It's not your fault that you're a sinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're basically getting a, a, a gospel light presentation. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.